Welcome to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. I'm Christy Graham, and today I have Kelly Seitz in the studio with me, and she is a nurse on our DART. And so, Kelly, first to start, I'd love for you to explain what a DART is to those who don't know and um, how long you've been doing this with Samaritan's Purse. So a DART is a disaster assistance response team. And we uh, work internationally. So whenever there is a disaster somewhere in the world, such as like an earthquake, a tsunami, a hurricane, a cyclone, uh, a refugee crisis, Mm -hmm. um, some sort of an outbreak like cholera, diphtheria, Ebola, Mm -hmm. we'll respond to that. And then most recently, acts of war, Mm -hmm. Uh, things like that we respond to. We have a medical team that deploys on the DART, but we also have a water and sanitation team, a shelter team, food distribution teams, logistics people. So the DART is comprised of all kinds of different uh, sectors. So depending on the need, we can deploy all or some or part. Hmm. And you are a nurse, correct? Yes, I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse 21 years. And so what led you into the medical field? Uh, Well, in high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, The way I selected my major was walk around to all of my friends and say, hi, what's your major? And Mm -hmm. they said, business. What's your major? (laughs) Business. Okay, that's going to be my major. But I was sitting in accounting classes and was bored to death and used to look out the window and see the nurses all walking by. Mm -hmm. And I knew I wanted to do that. So Mm -hmm. I switched and it's the perfect fit for me. I absolutely love uh, mercy and compassion and taking Mm -hmm. care of patients. Mm -hmm. And so when did you get involved with Samaritan's Purse? Um, Well, my kids were 11. We have twins, uh, a boy and a girl, and they were 11 years old. I was working at the local hospital in the intensive care unit. And in 2009, I really felt like maybe God had different plans for me, but I didn't know exactly what that was. So I began to pray, God, do you want to use me in any other way? I didn't really have an agenda when I prayed. Um, I sort of just offered my life and my nursing Mm. skills to him and said, if you have something, would you just let me know what that is? Mm -hmm. So every day I prayed that of all 2009 and Mm. I never really heard from God. And then in 2010, the Haiti earthquake Mm. struck. And I was watching the coverage and saw the huge need in Haiti. And I, at that moment, felt God speak to my heart and say, that prayer you've been praying for a whole year, that's what I want you to go and do. So I had heard about Samaritan's Purse, but I really didn't fully know what they did. So I got online and they were begging for medical volunteers to go. So I filled out an application and they called me. And that was my first deployment. I really thought it was a one-time trip I'm going to go deploy, turn around and come home and go back to my life and check the box of I did my missions trip. Mm -hmm. Uh, We actually had a really hard experience on that first deployment. Um, And it was a traumatic experience. And I came home and thought, I actually spoke the words to my husband and said, I am never doing that again. Mm. And I meant it. And I went back to work at the hospital. But a month later, cholera broke out in mm. Haiti in the exact place that where we were. And Samaritan's Purse called back and said, we're putting up a cholera treatment center. Will you please go back? And mm. I was really afraid. I had mm. a, a little bit of fear to go back after the incident that we had. And I just felt God say, I'm going to be with you. You mm. can do it. And so I did. I went back and something changed in me at that hospital. I felt like I can do this. Mm. And I love this. And getting to take care of patients who were 
um, their dignity mm-hmm. was being taken away because of cholera and to get to pray with them and show mercy to them, I just felt this is what I want to do with my life. And then the next call came and the next call and the next call. And here I am almost coming up on 10 years later. I can't believe how one prayer mm-hmm. changed the total course of my life. Mm-hmm. So can you walk us through, you said they call you. How does the process work? Once you're on the DART roster, mm-hmm. they call you when a disaster strikes. How, how is that getting a call on your normal day of life and having to drop everything? How do you respond? Yeah, sometimes it's on our radar because we're, mm-hmm. we're news junkies. Once you're on the DART roster, mm-hmm. you're always watching for what's going on. But sometimes an earthquake hits and no one's expecting it. Mm-hmm. And you're just at home living your life you know, cooking dinner for your family, you get a call and they say, I've been called before, Kelly, can you leave in four hours for a month Hmm. to Tanzania? And I say, sure I can. And then I hang up and I scurry into action. I usually keep all of my medical things ready to go. Mm -hmm. I can get myself ready really quickly, Mm -hmm. uh, but I have a husband and kids that I need to download. I'm the mom of the family and Mm -hmm. the tour guide of the family. So getting them situated, getting my work situated and getting all the details ironed out. It's a scramble, uh, but you're excited, your adrenaline's going and you're anticipating what you're going into. Mm-hmm. Now, do you work full, like, full-time when you're home? How does the hospital give you that permission to leave? How does that work? Yeah, that's tricky. I get that question a lot for people who want to make DART part of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, I did work in the hospital for quite a while doing both and then it became a challenge Mm -hmm. when they would call so quickly and say can you leave in four hours or at the end of the day or in the morning Mm -hmm. and I had to spend all of my time getting my shifts covered Mm -hmm. so I made the personal choice we don't always recommend this but Mm -hmm. I sort of retired my position at the hospital um, so that I could be free and available for darts Mm -hmm. Um, however my church offered me a position on staff Uh, part-time. They loved what I do here at Samaritan's Purse, and Mm -hmm. they said, this is what we're about. So when I'm not doing a dart or other things with Samaritan's Purse, I work on staff at my church. That's amazing how you sacrificed that, but God gave you something in return. I love that. Um, So tell me, you have children. How do you drop everything? What does your husband do? How does he support this? I just was talking to people about supporting your spouse's calling, and I think it's important. They, what they allowing you to go, they're they're serving as well. How does that look? Yeah, that's a great question. It's very important. I feel passionate about that question because it's important. Our ministry needs to be to our family. Mm -hmm. You know, God understands that. That is a ministry and they deserve our attention. However, God also sometimes calls us to do other things too. So Mm -hmm. for our family, we talk a lot. Mm -hmm. We've chosen as a family to have it be our family ministry. Mm -hmm. It's not just my ministry. My husband always says, you're the goer and I'm the sender. And Mm -hmm. I have an awesome husband. We've been married 20, coming up on 26 years. And he is my biggest cheerleader. He runs the show. Right Mm -hmm. now, our kids are 21. They're twins. Mm -hmm. But I started when they were 11. Mm -hmm. And we homeschooled our kids. So the mom and the teacher left. So my husband is great. It's a family endeavor. Our kids are on board with what we do. It's important, I think, to talk to your family all the time and make sure that they know that they're a priority in your life. And how's everyone feeling? Mom's getting ready to go to Iraq. How's Mm -hmm. everyone feel about that? Mm -hmm. And uh, honestly, it gives me great brownie points with my son when his mom gets to go to Iraq in a Mm -hmm. field hospital. Mm -hmm. I think they're proud of what I do. Um, It's taught our family perspective, Mm -hmm. the way we run our family now versus when I first started. 
uh, the priorities that we have in our family, the way we live our life, the way we spend our money, the way we spend our time has totally changed because of this work. Mm-hmm. As I was going to ask, how did it change going overseas and then coming back home? How did that translate? And even when you were in the hospital, how did it change you as a nurse? Um, that's a great question. First of all, you know, when you've deployed to places, especially with Ebola, mm-hmm. um, which I've deployed four times for the Ebola outbreak, and there's only so much that we can do for our patients. There's not a lot of treatments. You know, in the beginning in Liberia, there were no treatments. Now in the DRC, we have some treatment um, things that we're working on. But pretty much when you come to the end of everything that you've done medically for your patients, um, as a medical provider or medical person, that's crushing to your soul because we're supposed to save lives. Mm -hmm. But often in the field in third world countries, we're limited with the things that we have, the medications, the supplies. But as a nurse, I've learned through almost 10 years of doing this, that when you come to the end of the medical things that you can do, there's so much more that you can provide. And that is your care, Mm -hmm. holding a hand, sitting next to them Mm -hmm. and praying for them is everything. Mm -hmm. And I've learned just when you think you're at the end of it, there's so much more. You can lean into it and really pour yourself into your patients and let them know that there is hope and that people really do care about them. That's one of the questions I get asked so much when we deploy. The people that were there to serve will say, why? Why -hmm. would you come? They know that we're from America. They understand I've been in the most far-reached place of this world, and they still know about America. And their question to me is, why? Why would you leave your family at Christmas time and come to us mm-hmm. and help us and live the way that we're living with no water, no food, living in a tent? And it means everything to them that someone would do that for them. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm going to do that. And of course, I would give up, you know, living in the United States. I, my whole perspective has changed. Things that used to work me up before and I'd get all irritated about or mm-hmm. excited about or frustrated about is no big deal at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you have many, but can you share a story of a time where, yes, you were meeting a physical need, but the Lord allowed you to meet a spiritual need, or you got to see someone come to know Christ, or ask those questions, or go deeper? I have so many stories. Um, the one I often get the question, what's your most favorite dart? Mm-hmm. And my answer is always, that's like picking your favorite child. Mm-hmm. They all mean so much to me. So from every dart I have, I always pray, God, give me that one special person that just mm-hmm. I can really talk to and, and connect with. And always we have many opportunities, but the one that stands out to me um, is the one I meet that means the most to me. And that was in Liberia in 2014 and the Ebola outbreak. Uh, we had, we were taking care of patients in the chapel at Elwa Hospital and we took care of a young mom and her name was Serena. And she was a single mom and she had two young children her sister had Ebola, mm-hmm. and Serena took care of her sister until she died. And now Serena found herself with Ebola. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, their mother also had Ebola and was in the bed right across from her. And Serena came into us very early. If they come in on day one or two of symptoms, we have a better chance of being able to help them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Serena came in early, but she was very flat in her affect, and she was very depressed. She would never look at us in the eye. Mm-hmm. Understandably, she saw what her sister was going to go through. Mm-hmm. She knew exactly what was going to happen to her. But our staff every day would go in and talk to her. We would sing hymns over her as we would squeeze the fluids into her body and care for her. She never really engaged with us and made contact. Well, I took care of her every single day for 15, 17 hours a shift. 
And on day 10 of her stay, when she was very, very sick now, at this point she cannot raise her head off the bed. We have to do everything for her. She's so weak and she's very, very sick. And I was just mad at Ebola at this point. Every patient that we had taken care of up till then Mm -hmm. had died, every single one. And I was just sick of it. I was sick of Ebola. I was sick of the dignity Mm -hmm. being stolen from our patients. And Serena was literally laying in her filth, vomiting and having diarrhea and just laying in it. And we couldn't get her cleaned up fast enough and she would do it again. I had already been in the suit, the Ebola suit for so long, but I was just mad. And I said, can someone hand me a bowl of water? And I thought I'm gonna clean her up, even if it's for two minutes. Mm -hmm. So I was talking to her. She still wasn't engaging with me. You know, all they can see in the Ebola suit is our eyes. Mm-hmm. I was trying to talk to her and clean her up. I got her all cleaned up, put a gown on her. And then I said, Serena, I need to go now. I've been in the suit a long time, but you're not alone. I'm just right outside. And I saw her mouth was moving. She was trying to say something. So I leaned right down and close to her. And she looked at me right in my eyes. I had goggles on and she looked at me and very quietly, she said, thank you so much for taking care of me. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being my friend. And then she said, I love you. Mm-hmm. And it was the first words that she spoke to me in 10 days. Mm -hmm. And that night she died. Mm. And I was so thankful that I took a minute Mm -hmm. to um, give her some dignity back, Mm -hmm. to show her that I loved her and I knew that she felt loved. People are afraid of them. Mm -hmm. We were all she had. Her family couldn't come in to see her. She was all alone. And to know that we are all that they have, of course, we're going to share the gospel with them and pray with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But just your presence allowed her to open up. Just our presence. Mm -hmm. That's sometimes when we came to the end of it. We had done everything we could do to help her. We tried valiantly to save her life, Mm -hmm. but we'd come to the end of everything we could do, but there was still so much more we could do for her. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want. That's my message to medical people. There's so much more. Just being present with people in their time of suffering, in their time of need. Mm -hmm. How do you how do you walk into that? How do you suit up knowing you are going to be near a patient that is dying and could give it to you? How do you do that time and time again? Uh, I'm not at all heroic, and I don't mean this to sound heroic, but I honestly don't give it a thought. Hmm. And that's the truth. Of course, I'm very aware. I mean, my husband and my kids need me. Mm-hmm. They want me to come home to them. Mm-hmm. I want to come home to them but I don't really think about it. We have a job to do. Mm -hmm. Samaritan's Purse does an amazing job training us. Mm -hmm. And ultimately I have a great God who I've seen show up in huge, big ways. I know I can feel his presence. I have so many stories of where I shot up a flare prayer. And God, Mm -hmm. I need you right now. I need help Mm -hmm. right now. And he's shown himself so faithful to me. Mm -hmm. And that's the truth. Mm -hmm. That's not just the Christian answer. That's the absolute truth. You cannot do this work without um, just abiding with God every single day because we never, we never know. We're home cooking dinner, doing laundry, and we don't know when the call's gonna come. If we think in that four hours that we have to pack, oh, I'll fill up on God right now mm-hmm. and read my Bible quick so I can pour out my mm-hmm. heart to these people, that's not enough time. Mm-hmm. You need to be every single day in the Word of God and filling up and uh, listening to good Christian songs that fill your soul so that your cup is full, that when mm-hmm. you go, you can pour out to people who desperately, desperately need you to be there and engaged and all in. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask, I know they say put on your face max first, you know, before you help somebody yeah, on the airplane. It's the truth. How do you do that? And I know scripture is important to you. Can you share your favorite life verse and how you're able to really f- fill yourself first? 
Yeah, um, my favorite little tradition that I do mm-hmm. on every deployment, I don't know what made me start this, but my very first deployment, uh, almost 10 years ago, I started with the tradition of every time I get the call, the next thing that I do is go pick my pair of shoes that I'm going to wear on the field. Hmm. And then with a Sharpie marker on my side of my shoe, I write Philippians 4.13. Hmm. Because I know when I get out there on the field, you know, when you arrive day one, you're excited, you're fresh, you're feeling mm-hmm. good, you're so excited and engaged. By day 17, you're tired, you've worked 17-hour days, you haven't eaten, you haven't slept, you miss your family, you're hot, you're sweaty, and you're sick of it all. Mm-hmm. I look down and I see my shoe and it reminds me, my shoe's always with me, mm-hmm. and it reminds me I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that verse, I love that one. Can you share a story of a time where you couldn't do it and the Lord intervened? Either you didn't have the equipment you needed or you you didn't you couldn't do it. You know, they say Jesus you treat, Jesus heals. Was there a time where you had that? Yeah, it's a silly story, but my first deployment, I feel like God wanted to show me he was big on day one. He knew what was coming, Mm -hmm. that I'd still be around 10 years later, Mm -hmm. hopefully longer than that. I didn't know that. And I think he wanted to show off and show me, this is what, you're going to need some of this later. Mm -hmm. And it's the most simple story. But we were out doing mobile medical clinics after the the earthquake in Haiti. Um, All of these people poured out of Port-au-Prince and were displaced, and they were in filth, Mm -hmm. living in horrific tent cities. So we were out serving them doing mobile clinics. And it was so hot. It was 115 plus degrees. Mm. And we were all split up. And so I was with a Haitian doctor. Uh, The patients will come, they'll see the triage, then they'll see the doctor, and then they'll come to me in the pharmacy area. Well, I'll do IVs, Mm -hmm. shots, treatments, antibiotics. And a nurse's best friend on the field is a Sharpie marker. Mm -hmm. And I use it for everything. I use it to mark all kinds of things. The most important thing is to draw on the syringe where the mom can pull up the medicine. I show her, I draw it a circle Mm -hmm. so I can show her how much medicine to give her child. Well, it was so hot, I'd used my Sharpie so much that it ran out and Mm -hmm. wasn't working anymore. And I tried to look for another Sharpie. Usually I bring a bunch, but I had gone through them all, found no Sharpie. It was clogging up the whole thing, slowing me down. I tried to use a pen. That doesn't work on a syringe. Mm -hmm. I was so frustrated. I'm like, Lord, all these people are here. I'm clogging this up. There was Mm -hmm. hundreds of people. And I, I was like, Lord, I need a Sharpie. I'm out in the middle of absolutely nowhere. How, how is God going to bring me a Sharpie? Mm -hmm. So I looked, I tried in my own strength to find all the ways. And finally I thought, okay, I guess I'll pray. But honestly, I had a mustard seed faith. I'm like, how's God going to bring me a Sharpie? So I said, Lord, I don't even know how you're going to do it, but I really need a Sharpie. Mm -hmm. And then I went about my business, honestly, not believing that prayer would be answered. Mm -hmm. Literally five minutes later, a truck pulls up out of nowhere. It happened to be a donor who is given to the project and he had given specifically to the mobile medical. I had no heads up that he was coming. Mm -hmm. They were driving him around to see. And he came up, he goes, look at all these people. This is fabulous. Had me explain what was going on. He said, well, I can see you're busy. I'm going to go. And I said, okay, thanks. He goes, do you need anything before you go? And I laughed. I said, oh yeah, I need a Sharpie. And he goes, oh, here. He reached (laughs) inside of his vest and pulled out a Sharpie marker. Within five minutes of me praying a prayer Mm -hmm. out in the middle of nowhere, Mm -hmm. God showed off and Mm -hmm. brought me a Sharpie marker. Mm -hmm. So ever since then, I say so many times I've thrown up big prayers. Mm -hmm. God, I need you. I need you. I'm on my knees praying. And other times I throw up a Sharpie-sized prayer. Mm -hmm. If God cares about a Sharpie marker, Mm -hmm. he cares about patients in the Ebola unit. He sees you. Mm -hmm. Um, So you've done 17 deployments, correct? Yeah, I think I've lost track. I'm pretty sure it's 17. So 17. um, Can you share with somebody who maybe 
is hearing and think, I can't do this. She must be just so adventurous, outgoing, heroic. You said you're not. Had you traveled before starting this? I traveled on vacation and walked past the hurting and the poor to get to my resort. I had never done anything like this Mm -hmm. in my life. I never would have saw that I could have been the kind of person who could do this kind of work. Mm. I like a shower. I like a meal. I like a fan at night. Mm -hmm. I like clean sheets. I just never imagined Mm -hmm. I could do this. It's true. You've heard it said before, when God calls you, he equips you. Mm -hmm. He absolutely Mm -hmm. does. If you don't think you can do this, that's exactly the kind of person Mm -hmm. that we need because then God can show off Mm -hmm. and show you how big he is. Because honestly, this work is too hard for any one of us to be able to do this work. Mm -hmm. But God's a big God. Mm -hmm. So no, you can't do this. Really, none of us can, but mm-hmm. God, God can, and he will equip you, and you will radically change mm-hmm. everything about what's important to you and the way you see your life. And there is nothing better than working with your whatever skills God's given you to use it for eternal purposes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I know each, each country is probably different, each deployment, but could you walk us through a typical day in the life of a DART? What, is, what does the day look like? Yeah, so... Uh, we wake up in the morning at whatever time, depends on what, depends on the deployment, depends on what we're doing. Uh, but most of the time, uh, we'll get up in every time we have a devotions as a staff. We know we need to start there with mm-hmm. God. Now we're very busy, so sometimes the devotions literally five minutes. We need to pray as a team, come together, hear God's word, pray, and then we all go. Other times, it's a little longer. Uh, then we head off to whatever it is we're doing. If it's a mobile medical, we pile in the cars, we bring our go bags with, filled with medicine and wound care, and we head out and we take care of hundreds of patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an example. Come back at the end of a long day, taking care of patients all day, refill the bags for the next morning, do whatever needs to be done, have dinner together, take a shower, get in bed because you have to do it all over again the next mm-hmm. day. Hmm. And I know each one's probably different, but I, I visited the one in the Bahamas, and you know, the, at that time they didn't have running water. They mm-hmm. were using porta potties, sleeping in a tent. Is that pretty typical? It's typical in the first beginning part of a dart. Um, it's a little rough at the beginning. Okay. I've always said that earthquakes and hurricanes to me are the hardest because everything's wiped out. Mm. There's no water source. The electrical's down. Sometimes you're on an island where the market's down. There's no food. Of course, we bring things ourselves, but it's a little rough at the beginning. Uh, we've I've slept in fields on a piece of tarp. We've had dart members sleeping in the lawn chairs, uh, you know, around the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, it just depends. It's a little rough at the beginning, but we always have enough. God provides. We come with a water team, so we'll have water. Uh, we have MREs that military mm-hmm. uses to eat, mm-hmm. so we're never without. Mm-hmm. Kelly, I just could listen to you talk all day. Um, can you just share before we close? Um, you've you've mentioned it, but what keeps you coming back? Is it the friendships? Is it watching God work? Uh, what keeps you doing this over ten years? So many answers to that. The people, the the family mentality. You can be. It can be your first start or your seventeenth start. When you arrive on the ground, you are family, mm-hmm. no matter who you are, medical, non-medical, logistics, you're there to be the generator guy who keeps the generator going. Mm-hmm. You're finance, you're the logistics. We're a family on the ground. It's hard. We have each other's backs. That is amazing. The teamwork mentality. We're all there for the same purpose, mm-hmm. working for the same cause under the banner of Christ. That is fantastic. I love it. 
my dart friends are some of the closest friends that I have where we celebrate each other's sadness. We celebrate babies. We celebrate weddings. We celebrate cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. We're family. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second thing is absolutely getting to help be in a place, a privilege to be able to go when you're in the trenches with people who are hurting and have suffered great loss and lost literally everything that they've worked for for their whole life and they watched it float away after a hurricane. It gives us the privilege and the honor and the opportunity to be able to tell them about the light of Christ and they trust us because we're there in the trenches with them. Mm -hmm. It's a great opportunity to share Christ. And then the last part is to get to see a big God. When we're in first world America, when we have all the things that we need every day, it's almost like we say, I got it, God. I don't Mm -hmm. really need you. Mm -hmm. We don't say that, but we kind of feel it. Mm -hmm. We don't really cry out to him for a Sharpie because I can just go up the store and grab a whole box of them. Mm -hmm. You're out in the field and you desperately are clinging to God. You're exhausted and you think, I can't get in that PPE one more minute. You cling and cry out to God and he has you do it that's addictive and you see a big God when you need him big. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing. And we always like to close and um, partner with prayer. We like to give our audience specific prayers to pray. And so since you've been on so many darts, can you tell us how to pray? And specifically, you know, we're in the Bahamas right now. How can we pray for these dart members? Yeah, some of my best friends are in the Bahamas Mm -hmm. right now. They are working so hard. The need is so great there. They are seeing 150 patients a day and it's exhausting it's it's one of the hottest places that they've been Mm. from what i've heard it's stifling hot there you wouldn't think so with the ocean Mm -hmm. and they're inside of a tent hospital and it's Mm. very hot very very long hours and they're seeing high acuity critical patients Mm. and so just pray for their stamina and their strength pray that they won't forget uh, why they're there and that they'll have many, many opportunities to show hope and love to these patients, these wonderful people who've literally lost so much. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask, when you have to leave it at a drop of a hat, have you ever missed big milestones for your kids and did they ever resent that? I've missed a lot of milestones, um, but I'm there for the most of them and that's the most important thing to to. Um, keep in mind. But I missed my kid's 16th birthday. Mm. I have twins, like I mentioned, and they turned 16 uh, when I was in the Ebola unit in Liberia. And when I asked them, guys, I'm going to miss your 16th birthday. How do you feel about that? They said, mom, we'll have another birthday. Those people need you. That's the kind of kids I want to raise. I want them. You know, in this day and age, like I sound like an old grandma, but kids, you know, people are they're not like thinking that way. Mm-hmm. And I, those are the kind of kids I want to raise. Doing this kind of work has helped our family see the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. So you know what happened? My church rallies around me and they're so supportive and their prayer network is amazing. Some of my friends at church gave my kids a 16th birthday party mm-hmm. and they videoed it and sent it to me over mm-hmm. in the Ebola unit. Mm-hmm. And my husband was of course there with them, but mm-hmm. it put them off a month getting their driver's license because mm-hmm. mom wasn't there and dad mm-hmm. was really busy with work. They were willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Take one for the team. Now, do you always ask them before you go on a trip? I um, always do. Mm-hmm. I always do, and I pray that they say yes. Mm-hmm. They've never said no, mm-hmm. but they're always very willing. I miss Christmas to go to Bangladesh to work mm-hmm. in the Rohingya refugee camp, help uh, the, with the diphtheria outbreak. And I always ask them, guys, how do you feel about mom being gone over Christmas? They said, mm-hmm. mom, we'll have another Christmas. Mm-hmm. What better place to serve Jesus on his birthday than in a refugee camp? That is awesome. Thank you for sharing. 
Thank you for tuning in. We look forward to bringing you more interviews from wonderful staff members um, as I've enjoyed my time here at PFR. Thanks again. We'll see you soon.